Will you bow your heads in prayer with me? Good and gracious God, we thank you for this day. And we ask that you would open our eyes to your word. Help us to listen to your spirit. Let's call these things in your name. Amen. Uh, friends, we are continuing to look at scriptures that tell about what happened after the resurrection of Jesus. Uh, last week, Pastor Cindy uh, spoke to about, uh, talked to us about the two disciples who were on the road to Emmaus um, and how they encountered the living Christ. Uh, and today, um, we start, we look at another story, and we pick it up on uh, verse 14 of John chapter 21. And this is what we read. And this was the third time that Jesus was revealed to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. There were two other encounters in the Gospel of John where Jesus met the disciples. <clears throat> there were two other times that he had seen them and spoke to them. When we talk about the risen Christ, we are talking about the one who overcame death. When we say we are talking about the risen Christ, we are talking about one who defeated sin and death. When we say we are talking about the risen Christ, we are talking about the one who gave us the power to overcome everything that is broken in this world. When we say that we are talking about the risen Christ, it means that we are talking about the one who gives us power over our addictions, power to forgive those who have harmed us, to get over our resentments towards people. That is what we're talking about. When we say we encountered the risen Christ, we're talking about the God who's able to forgive our sins. This is what it means to encounter the risen Christ. And twice before, in the Gospel of John, we read that Jesus and the disciples encountered the risen Christ. And yet, the story that we're going to look at today starts out this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, Nathaniel, sons of Zebedee, two other disciples, were together. I'm going out fishing. Simon Peter told them. They said, we'll go with you. Simon Peter and the disciples were living in the city of Jerusalem when Jesus was risen. You've heard those stories before. And we don't really know how many days the time has lapsed between when Jesus was risen to when this story is being told. But Simon Peter is making an announcement saying, I'm going fishing, and his buddy says, I'll go with you. I love Simon Peter. See, Simon Peter was one of the first ones to see the empty tomb. You remember, he had a foot race with the beloved disciple. He walks in and sees the tomb being empty. And then later that evening, Jesus shows up and talks to them. See, and yet, Simon traveled all the way from Jerusalem to Galilee. Because his home was near the Sea of Galilee. He traveled several days up north. And there, Simon Peter is saying, I'm going to go fishing. I love this guy. He encountered the risen Christ. And Jesus appeared to them in that room and they locked the doors and they were so afraid. And Jesus looks to them and says, Peace be still. Peace be with you. Simon Peter was there. Simon Peter was there when Jesus spoke to doubting Thomas. And Jesus said, put your hands 
in my nail-pierced hands. And yet now, Simon Peter is back home and wants to go fishing. I think Peter shows us that sometimes you and I can have wonderful spiritual experiences, that we can encounter the risen Christ. We can hear the risen Christ say to our anxious and worried souls, peace be still. We can encounter the risen Christ when we overcome our own addictions or when we have the strength to forgive those who harmed us. A few weeks pass, a couple of months go by, and we go back home, and we want to go fishing. We want to go back and do what we did before. That's what Simon Peter reminds us. But sometimes, even though we, for- we encounter the risen Christ pretty quickly, we forget and we go back to our old routine. So Peter and his buddies are out on the boat, and we have doubting, uh, we have Thomas, Nathaniel, James, John, and a few other guys. And we recognize most of these disciples. You know, if I had to ask you a question, how would you describe Thomas, you would say? Doubting, right? Or, you know, how would you describe uh, James and John, sons of Zebedee? You would say, well, isn't their mom a chopper mom? But she came to Jesus and said, you know, she tried to do a side hustle with him saying, in your kingdom, let my son be on one side. And then all the disciples made fun of him. Remember that story? Right? Or the beloved disciple. See, these, all these disciples were there. They encountered the resurrection. And now they're out fishing. And this is what I wonder. Right? They're in the boat. They're out in the Sea of Galilee. And I wonder what they talked about all through the night. Because all through the night, they didn't catch any fish. And they were just sitting around on the boat. I wonder what those conversations were about. I wonder what stories they remembered and were retold. I can hear John say, remember when the boat, we were on the boat of Sea of Galilee and Jesus was here and, and he fell asleep and we were all worried we were going to die. And I can remember another guy saying, yeah, I was yelling at Jesus. Don't you care for us if he dies? Then another would say, remember Jesus said, peace be still to that storm? And the winds listened to him. I can almost hear Thomas chiming in saying, hey, remember Peter, you got soaked in the sea? Remember you were like trying to be all fancy and walk on water? And you fell down? And Peter would respond by saying, be quiet, at least I'm the only one who walked on water in this boat. I wonder if they remembered the story from Luke chapter 5 where Peter and Jesus are having this conversation and Peter, uh, Jesus tells to Peter, go ahead, cast your net. And Peter says, I've been fishing all night. I didn't catch anything. There's nothing here. And Jesus says, go ahead, do it. And they do it. And they catch a big load of fish. In verse 4, this is what we read. When the day was breaking, verse 4, when the day was breaking. Have you ever been on a beach at daybreak? Anybody? Y'all have done that? All right, you can, you can raise your hands. This is church. All right? 
It is absolutely beautiful. Like, honestly, next time, if you're near the shore, please go and check it out. It is beautiful at daybreak. The sun's just coming out, and you can hear the crashing of the waves. It is pleasant. The wind might be a little bit of chilly, but it is beautiful. You can hear closely. If you pay attention, you can hear the other fishermen who are taking their boats into the water for the day. Or you can hear some who are coming back in the morning because they were out all night and they're cleaning their nets. You can hear those noises all around you. With that background, with that beauty that's surrounding this moment, I want you to hear these words in verse 4. Early in the morning, Jesus stood at the shore. But the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, Friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, Throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. See, one of the motives that we encounter as we read the resurrection stories is when Christ is present before the disciples, they don't recognize him immediately. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about the story of Mary Magdalene, where she was doing what I call the ugly cry and did not know that she was, that the risen Christ was before her. Or last week, Pastor Cindy talked about the two unnamed disciples who were walking on the road to Emmaus. They almost walked seven miles with this guy. And they didn't know it was Jesus. And this morning, we see disappointed fishermen who spent the entire night in the boat and caught nothing. An entire night was spent and was caught nothing. And Jesus calls out to them and says, Have you caught any fish? This morning, maybe you're like Mary doing the ugly cry. Because you are, your hope is lost. Maybe you're the two disciples who are on the road to Emmaus who are discouraged of the events that are taking place in the world. Maybe you're like the disciples in the boat where you're spending nights being up and nothing to show for. An entire night was spent awake nothing. And for many of us, uh, that night might not be eight hours, but it could be a much longer season. You feel like you're in the dark of the night with no results, wondering where is the risen Christ. Friends, let me assure you, a daybreak is coming and the risen Christ is before you. We just cannot recognize him at this moment, but he is present as Jesus tells the fishermen where to cast their nets, the fishermen do what the living Christ asked them to do. And they do it. This time Peter didn't argue with Jesus. I know what I'm doing. But in that action, they were able to see the risen Christ. They do what the risen Christ tells them to do, and they're rewarded. Friends, this morning it is my prayer that you would hear the voice of the risen Christ, that you would hear Him and do what He's telling you to do. 
It is my prayer that a daybreak would be that you would encounter the risen Christ. I pray that God would provide whatever that you have been waiting for. Whatever that you have been waiting all night, waking up all night wondering if God would provide. It is my prayer that you would be encountered with a miracle and be reminded the risen Christ is always before you. I pray that the longings of your heart would be heard and become a reality. In verse 12, if you're following along in your Bibles, verse 12, I believe, settles the argument. Verse 12 settles the argument now and forever. We don't ever have to argue about this because we read these words in verse 12. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Jesus is United Methodist. That's it. He sees his disciple, does a miracle. The next thing he says, let's eat. Right? And Jesus is actually cooking the meal for the disciples. Jesus cooks the fish that was caught and feeds them. Verse 15, we read, Jesus took bread and gave it to them. Friends, when we break bread together, when we break bread together, this morning we're going to be breaking bread together. When we break bread together as a church, there is something beautiful that happens. I believe God's grace is dispensed to us. So this morning, God's grace is given to us as a community. Starting in June, we talked about Wednesday night dinners, and I hope you can join us for these dinners because it is important to do that. And if you remember last week, as these disciples were walking on the road to Emmaus, in the breaking of bread, Christ was revealed to them. Friends, there is something beautiful that happens when we break bread together. When we break bread together, we find the risen Christ, refreshing our souls. This brings us to the last portion, the last section of the story that was read to us today. I don't want us to read this story in a hurry. Sometimes we imagine events that happened immediately. This happened and this happened and this happened and we read it in a hurry. We read the Gospels in a hurry. We don't slow down to think about the time lapse that might have taken place. When we read verse 15, we read this, when they had finished eating, Jesus said to them this. When they had finished eating, Jesus said, and I wonder how long Jesus might have spent time before that conversation that he had with Peter. These fishermen caught a huge catch. They, spend, they would have spent some time processing that catch. I'm not sure if any one of you has spent any time with anyone who loves fishing. Have you, do you know anybody who loves fishing? There are two rules. Um, me, I love to fish and my boys love to fish and there are two things that we report when we come back home. First is who got the largest fish, right? Right? All right. And how many fish you caught, all right? That is important. And I believe that these two things are extremely biblical because this is what we read in verse 11. For they caught large fish. They're describing how big the fish are, right? And we caught 153 fish. There was somebody there counting the fish. Right? 
it would have taken some time. It would have taken some time for them to clean the fish, fillet the fish, cook it, eat it. And the risen Christ was hanging out with his disciples on that shore, talking to them. I can imagine, or I can see Jesus hanging out and talking to Thomas, the sons of Zebedee. And after some time, Jesus talks to Simon Peter. And he asks him three times the same question. He asks him three times the same question. He says, do you love me more than these? And Peter responds by saying, yes, Lord, I do. And when Jesus asked the question the third time, Simon Peter was hurt. I have often read this story um, as being punitive. I've kind of read this story to mean that Peter denied Jesus three times, and now Jesus is asking Peter three times. And I've actually preached about that as well. And, I've, and I, the tone that I can hear in Jesus' voice when I've, when I've read it that way is one that is punitive. It's one that is harsh. It's like coming down. Are you sure you love me? Hey, do you really love me, Peter? Because I know what you did a couple of days ago, man. Like, do you really love me? Right? But as if years have passed, I read this story not necessarily as punitive. I read this story with compassion. The tone that Jesus uses, the look on his face as he looks at Peter, I can see that it's filled with compassion. I think Jesus is looking at each one of us today with compassion and asking the same question, do you love me more than these? He is looking at me as a father who loves his child and simply asking me this question, what are your priorities? What are your priorities? Are your priorities to seek me and follow me or are you chasing something else? The way I see it is Jesus is looking at me and saying, Johnson, if I take away that which is important to you, will you still love me? Johnson, if I take away that which is important to you, would you still love me? This is a difficult question to answer. And I'm sure it's a difficult question for you to answer as well. And I hope we can answer, much like Peter, yes, Lord, I love you. We love him because he is the risen Christ. We have encountered the risen Christ. We have met the one who overcame death, the one who defeated death and sin. Jesus is the one who gives us the power to make the broken whole, the sick, healed. Jesus is the one who gives us power to forgive those who have harmed us. This is the power of resurrection. You're saying yes to the risen Christ. Yes, I love you more. You fill in the blanks. Yes, I love you more. You fill in the blanks. I hope you can join Peter this morning in saying, yes, Lord, I love you.
I love you more than anything else in the world. Amen.